Hello, and welcome back to Battle Plan, a podcast focused on spiritual warfare. I'm Steve Hemphill. The website is active-faith.org, and you can email me at stevehemphill1 at me.com. In the last episode, we introduced the idea of five earths in scripture. Today, we're covering earth number one, the original earth details. If you remember, in the last episode, we considered uh, Genesis 1.31. God looked over all he had made, and he saw it was very good. The original earth was uh, real, tangible, physical, and yet it was very good. Now, I mentioned this last time that, that some claim that everything physical is evil. Aristotle taught this, and the idea carried forward. So he said, if everything physical is evil, then heaven must be a disembodied bliss or a spiritual only existence. Nothing could be further from the truth as far as the scripture goes. Scripture says the original earth was tangible, physical, and it wasn't just okay. It was very good. Now, if God says something is very good, I can guarantee you it is. Uh, God commanded earth into being. Uh, Genesis 1-6 says that. God said, let there be a horizon in the middle of the water in order to separate the water. Uh, so the original earth had a water canopy above the sky. And the amplified version of this same verse helps make this confusing idea a little clearer. Uh, it says in the amplified, and God said, let there be a firmament, the expanse of the sky in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters below from the waters above. So we have air between waters. Um, there is no longer a water canopy above the sky uh, because there's been a flood and God poked a hole in that and made it rain for the first time. We'll talk about that with Noah another time. But there used to be a water canopy above the sky, which, by the way, would have filtered out the sun's ultraviolet rays, which cause skin cancer and other problems. All that protection went away with the flood. See, God put air between the waters. Let there be a horizon to separate the water, the waters above from the waters below, Genesis 1, verse 6. And what scientists say uh, about that type of environment is that it was probably uh, had a lot more oxygen in the atmosphere at that time than there is now. It's similar to what we call a hyperbaric chamber today. Now, hyperbaric chambers sort of simulate a, a, a pre-flood environment because of the high oxygen content in that atmosphere. They use it for healing athletes that are paid a lot of money to play and get an injury. They put them in a hyperbaric chamber and they heal much quicker. Um, and a lot of other details are in a neat book by Dr. Charles Baugh, Panorama of Creation. I uh, highly recommend that book and the museum in Glen Rose, Texas, called the Creation Evidence Museum. They have a big hyperbaric chamber there. So you think about it, a higher oxygen environment, um, scientists say means you could run a marathon and not be out of breath. Now, can you imagine running 26 miles and not being out of breath? They put a lot of other animals and plants in the hyperbaric chamber um, to, to see what would happen. They put a piranha in the hyperbaric chamber. This was in Glen Rose at the Creation Evidence Museum, Dr. Carl uh, Baugh. Um, they put a piranha in there and it, and it grew to three times its normal size. They put a tomato plant in there and tomatoes grew to a pound a piece 
And you wouldn't need a refrigerator when you plucked the tomato and left it in there. It ripened overnight. So you pluck today what you're going to eat tomorrow. I wouldn't need a refrigerator. They put fruit flies in there and they have a short lifespan. And the fruit flies had uh, long lifespans, three, four, five, six, seven times longer than in a normal environment. So now you understand why people could live hundreds of years in a pre-flood environment with a high oxygen content. They actually put a rattlesnake in there and its venom changed on a molecular level. It was no longer poisonous. A lot of interesting things about a pre-flood environment, what it was like in the Garden of Eden. And remember that uh, Genesis 3 verse 8 teaches us that Adam and Eve knew the sound of God's walk in the the Garden of Eden. Uh, It said they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They were familiar with that sound. They heard the sound. They knew what the sound was. So there was an intimacy, a relationship that was lost after the separation uh, caused by sin. Did you ever notice that Eve wasn't surprised that the snake talked? I'd have been saying, Adam, come here. There's a talking snake over here. You won't believe this. Maybe all the animals talked. I don't know. Maybe there was communication that no longer exists because of the curse and the fall. Did Adam have a belly button? You know, a belly button is a tie to your earthly mother, and she, he didn't have an earthly mother. You know, perhaps. Uh, did trees have rings on them? You know, God could create a tree that looks old. Every ring is another year of growth, right? That's what the ring, we know that that's how rings are formed is a year of growth. But God could create something that looked old the day it was created. He could create mountains that looked millions or billions of years old, even though he made it that day. So it's kind of a sort of a trust issue that that a faith issue that we trust that God means what he says as he talks about creation and Adam and Eve and the things in Eden. Did you know that Adam named every animal? You know, I was in a Bible class one time and a church deacon was actually teaching the class. And he mentioned, we were in Genesis 2, he mentioned that, uh, he said, some people think Adam named every animal, but there's no way, there's too many animals. And I raised my hand and I said, well, let me read you Genesis 2.19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So I say, you don't have to believe it, but that's what the Bible says. And the teacher said, okay, let's move on. He didn't want to talk about that. But Adam named every animal. He named the T-Rex. He named the elephant. He named a, a, a platysaurus. He named a, a, a brontosaurus. You know, he named the, the dinosaurs. We know they were here. He named every animal. And by the way, there was no meat eaters before uh, before Genesis 9, we'll talk about it later. So it was just a worldwide petting zoo. You could hug a bear or pet a T-Rex. Uh, another question I like to ask people about the, the, the Garden of Eden and creation and the original earth was, was, was the tree of life a real tree with real fruit? And most people say, no, it was just a, a symbol. And I say, okay, let me get this straight. So Adam and Eve got kicked out of Eden for eating imaginary fruit? No, it had to be a real tree, didn't it? Yeah, I guess it did. And if the tree of life is a real tree with real fruit in Genesis 1, guess what? It shows up in Revelation. It's probably a real tree with real fruit there too. Trust God. Trust his word. So in light of today's thoughts, let me suggest that part of your personal battle plan might be to truly trust God's word when it reveals details we don't always understand, like long lifespans, by folks in Noah's time and no disease in the beginning. It's called faith. 
You can visit active-faith.org if you'd like to donate to our ministry. Thank you for your help. See you next time on Battle Plan, and we're going to cover Earth number two, Cursed Earth details. Keep praying because prayer works. God loves you, and I love you. Have a great day.